You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. So we're in Acts. And Acts, really, if you think about it, is kind of a starts to be a picture of the part we're in today. It's it's kind of a start of the new church. The, you know, it's post uh, the death and resurrection time, and and we start to see the the church start to come to be. So what I want to do with you today is I want to rewind a little bit with you before we get into the particular scriptures. I want to go back. I want to take you back to 2004. Karen and I were sitting in a sanctuary of a church in Phoenix, Arizona. My sister and her husband were tuning up with a choir before the service, and we're just sitting there in the in the pews, basically a vacant area. And I asked Karen a question. I said, if you were to start a church, what would it look like? That was the question. If you were to start a church, what would it look like? And she got this really startled look on her face. I thought, oh. And then she asked me the question. She said, have you really actually thought that? And I admitted, well, you know, I tried to soft pedal it a little bit, but I said, yeah, I, I have to admit that that's been on my mind. Well, the reason she was startled is she had been thinking the same thing. And so it became that time when we came into agreement to do it. Well, at the time, I'm no spring chicken, surprise, but at the time I was already 55 years old. Both of us had jobs that were way more than full-time jobs. And so when you think about doing that, well, you think, that's nuts. I mean, that, I mean, and you, you know how you've done in life sometimes, you, you listen and you say, well, is that God talking to me or is that that other guy that I don't want to give any recognition? So we talked about it on the way back home on the airplane and, and on that flight we just discussed a lot of how that would work. And so what we did is we ended up, we decided what we would do, we'd lay a fleece, okay? Now if you don't know what laying a fleece is, that's your homework. You can go to Judges 6, you read about Gideon, and you'll read about laying a fleece. But we did that. We laid that fleece, and, and amazingly and miraculously, that fleece, our, our, that, that act of faith, let us realize how quickly that this thing started coming together. We're thinking, okay, this is really weird. But we'd laid that fleece, and so what we did is we decided that We'd go ahead and, and that would lead us to maybe having a meeting of some other people of like minds and try to find out. Well, Karen and I were de-churched at the time. Some of you have been in that position. We'd, we'd spent months and we'd go every Sunday morning we had this discussion. Okay, well, this is your Sunday to choose. No, I chose last week. And you'd go through this discussion about where you were going to go to church that day. And so what we were doing, we were looking for a place, and I don't know if y'all have that feeling I think most people do but there's a day if you're looking for a church that you walk in and you just say hey this feels like home to me it's not anything sometimes you can even put you around but you just feel like okay this place seems like home to me so we had some other some other people we knew that were in the same place and they were without a church and they weren't committed uh, and you know so we we're they were hoping to find a church, a place that looked like home to them. So Karen and I invited about 25 adults and their kids, which is almost that many kids. It was a house full to our home just to have a discussion about that thing. And so who were these people? They were all believers. 
you know. They were all believers, but they were people that were de-churched. They were, they were people we knew that weren't committed or attending, but they were believers, and they were just, you know, we were just kind of flopping around out there. But we didn't want to be recruiters. What we didn't want to do when we were thinking about it, we didn't want to go grab people that were committed to a church, already very effective in being in a church, and say, well, why don't you come over here? Why don't, we'd like to draft you to come and work with us. But the purpose of the meeting when we got together was really kind of twofold. The first one was this. Was there really a need? And I tell you what, if you've looked for a church, you drive around, there's a stinking church on every corner in Springdale, Arkansas in this area. And so you go, okay, well, this, this is nuts. I mean, why would you start a church when there's already churches every place? Then the second question, if, after, after we try to figure out was there a need, the second one was this, and if there's a need, should it be us? We're talking to this group now, this group of 25 or so, and if so, well, what would the church look like? I mean, is it different? Is it the same? What would you do? So that fledgling group decided what we would do is we'd go through an investigation. Well, the investigation we went through was the book of Acts. Because what it was going to do is it was going to expose to us a lot of things about the church and about the early concept, those early models. And that would reveal to us, if we went through that study together, it would reveal to us about the early churches that were planted after the death and resurrection of Christ. We would take a look and try to find, okay, in those early churches, what was the governance? In other words, what was the leadership? Who were the, who were the responsible parties, if you will, in those, in those days, in those small bodies of believers? And how would the people, how did they treat each other? I mean, you know, Christian to Christian, these new, these new believers, how would they create create this process of trust and what did they believe and and how would they teach and how would they go out and testify to others because I mean there were great things going on there were miracles and the apostles were doing stuff and you know how are they going to teach and how are they going to testify to those things so that small body of believers met in our home for several months and we explored that early church model much like the study that we're doing today in Acts and, in, and for the next weeks we met with several church leaders and we asked them two questions. We said, if you were in our position and you were thinking about doing a church plant, tell us three things that you would do if you were us. And then we said, and the other question is, tell us three things that you absolutely would not do that you've learned from your experience. And they were great. They shared that. There wasn't any our team, your team thing, it was, I mean, they really were interested in helping us kind of ferret through the thoughts about what we would look like if we were to do this. So on May 4th, 2004, you can, again, roll back to those dates, that was our first formal Sunday morning service. Now, what we did was we were looking for a place to meet, and we found a Hispanic Seventh-day Adventist church in North Springdale, and guess what? Seventh-day Adventists don't meet on Sundays. And so what they did is they used the church on Wednesdays and Saturdays. We used the church on Thursdays and Sundays. And that became the opportunity for us to come together and start this process with this group of volunteers. In those days, you know, it, it was, you know, a, a, a real uh, dependence that we had on each other, just like in that early church. But one of the things I look back, you know, we were there a year and a half, and one of the things I look back on would have been our first real mission project. Because while we were there, I mean, that church was strapped financially. 
And while we were there in that year and a half, we had the opportunity to put $20,000 of our money into their building, not for any other reason than that they were doing a good work and trying to give them the opportunity to have roofs that didn't leak and things that wouldn't, weren't mildewing and molding. And so that became kind of our first big missionary commitment. And then on Christmas Sunday 2005, that's when we moved into this structure. It was a flea market before. It was entirely open other than a little office area that's back there where the old kitchen is. And, and it was uh, transformed primarily by volunteer labor and, and what some of you people my age would understand what bootstrapping is. You know, trying to make things stretch and, and make, make sure you could get every value out of every dollar. And that's not anything different than the early, early church in Acts was doing the very same thing. So for our first 16 years, we used primarily a, a volunteer model in this church where all of our leaders were unpaid. Just the past year did we call Justin and Whitney. And because what we saw was, as we saw in churches, and really kind of the advent of COVID turned out in this situation to be a great thing for us. Because what we found out with COVID is the use of social media and, and the, the ability to reach people outside of the walls, the issues of technology and all the things, I mean, frankly, uh, some, of, some of us elders, Eric and, you know, and Dan, we were kind of lost, weren't we? Kind of going through that process because we're saying, okay, we know we've got to provide online stuff, but all of a sudden, then we have Justin and Whitney that become available to us after some years of ministry in Amarillo. But, it, but at this church, understand that except for them, Everything else is done by volunteers. What a great thing. What a, what a wonderful thing for the, for the saints to be able to participate and to do those things together. So Karen or I, or any other numbers of people that have been around for a while, if you've got questions about anything, we, we're, we'd love to share any of these parts of our history with you. We'll share more of that too as we, we kind of go through Acts and the study and we'll see some parallels of things that are happening in the church that we started to do. But today what we're going to do is we're going to, just briefly, we're going to unbundle what Luke, the author, is going to talk to us about because what he's going to do in these next, we're just going to do six verses today. But what he's going to do is he's going to unbundle for us kind of a, a picture of this early model of the church that we start seeing unfold. And it's unfolding because of a couple of things. It's it's unfolding because not only did they have available people, but the Holy Spirit was moving in a big way amongst the believers. And what he was doing is he was, he was talking about the, the Holy Spirit and, and what it was doing as far as the work. But he was also, just like Eric said last week, like Paul's preaching, or John, was Paul or John? Paul. Paul's preaching when he was pointing back to the fact that what you needed to do. They kept pointing back to Christ about repent and be baptized and keeping a simple message. So where we find ourselves today, we're in, we're in Acts, the second chapter. We're going to pick it up there at verse 42. You'll see a lot of it on your screen. If you're on version, you'll be able to follow on there with me as well on your version app. But we're going to learn something about this this kind of fledgling church is starting to come out of the ground in Acts. It talks about, the, you know, I have these little headers in some parts of your Bibles, and it talks about the fellowship of the believers. So it's really talking about this, the group of believers and what they did when they came together. So in verse 42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what that holds up for us is this wasn't a casual interest they had. The way you see that read, it wasn't a casual interest. I remember in school going to a few teachers' conferences with my mother, and the teachers had a habit of saying almost the same thing. It's almost like they had a meeting or something. They said, well, you know, Tom's a good student if he would just apply himself. Well, see, the difference was these people were applying themselves to God's word. They were, they, they were, it talks about the fact they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, this is what Paul says. This is several years later, and he's, he's saying this to the church of Corinth. Brothers and sisters, I could, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but instead I address you as people who are still worldly, merely infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and indeed you are still not ready. So really the word picture he's using, he's using the word picture of an infant that starts on milk, and they're not ready for solid foods. Yet many of us in America's churches are satisfied. I appreciate him coming in on cue, by the way, when I'm talking about the babies and stuff. We worked on that before the service, in case you didn't know. Yet many of us in America's churches are, are satisfied to stay on the bottle. If you look around America's churches and we think about our knowledge of Scripture and how we guide our lives, many people in America's churches are content to stay on the bottle. And Paul is acknowledging, he says, the, the, the milk, that's where you start. But he's also saying, but that's not where you stay. We're not meant to be there. He was saying, you're not ready yet. But he never intended for us, nor does do any of us that are up here trying to teach. It's never intended that we stay babies in our faith. We're not intended to stay on milk. A key word in verse 42 is really devoted because different than that church that Paul was talking to in Corinthians, he's talking to that and he said, he said this is a group, uh, you know, in Luke's writing, he said this is a group that have committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And remember, the, the New Testament, it's still unfolding during this time. It's not a finished document that they say, here's your, you know, on a paperback or do you want a hard copy? It's still unfolding when this happened. And it goes on there, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. See, one of the Greek, when you look up the New Testament's in Greek, and when you look up the kind of the words that kind of reflect back in Greek what that is in, in kind of our language, it's really talking about this fellowship as being uh, the, uh, its participation, its interaction, it's being involved with others. It's in the body of Christ like those of us that are represented here, you know, that you showed up because you, were, you wanted that participation, that, that interaction, that strength that comes. So when COVID came, then there's still a lot of people that, that don't feel comfortable to come back. But for those who can, it's critically important that you're part of the body. It's critically important that you're part of the body. And it's critically important that you're here on a regular basis. Otherwise, you kind of always feel like you're just kind of a, kind of a wingman. You're really not the player, but you're just kind of a wingman. And we're intended to be here on a regular basis and be part of that. Several years ago, I had a rotator cuff surgery. I'd recommend you not have that. I spent a month without use of an arm. So for a month, 
I slept terribly. I had it in a sling the whole time. You know, everything you tried to do. But what I found out, there were so many things that I couldn't do. Just think about the things it requires two hands to do. And there's so many things that you, that you just can't do. And if you do it, boy, it's a tussle trying to figure out how to do it with one arm. But as, at a minimum, what you do is you find out that these muscles that are there, you don't use them, and they atrophy. And so once you finally get the sling off, a month or five weeks later, then you realize that all the muscle strength, everything's gone from that arm. It's atrophied. It's gotten weaker. See, in Corinthians, it says this. It says, all of us are part of a body of Christ. And no, not, not one can say to the other that I don't need you. You understand the picture because what it says is, is that the body suffers when that happens. And, you know, the way we're built is the, the, the body is meant for all these parts. You're the parts. And it's meant for all these parts to come together to make that complete body. It's not meant for this arm to say, I don't need you, because we realize when you go through that, you realize, I really need that limb. Gave, you give me great empathy for people perhaps that have lost limbs and, and have to figure out how to compensate for all the things that happen. Fellowship, participation, interaction is critical for the body to function like it's supposed to. You ask yourself, you know, when I show up to fellowship, do I show up to fellowship and to participate because that's good for me? Yeah, we do. That's important. But the other reason we show up is because people, other people depend on us. It takes the body. It takes the whole. We have to be part of something religiously, and I use that with a little r, but the, religiously we have to figure out how to become part of a bigger thing. And that for us, of course, we understand that that's faith in Christ. It goes on and it talks about in verse 42, it's, besides that it says, and to the breaking of bread. Well, see, it's talking about communion in this circumstance. Because in that early church, just as we do 2,000 years later, it's important for us to understand that, that we come to communion because what we're doing, we're recognizing the broken body of Christ broken at Calvary for us. We're talking about the shed blood that was shed for us on the cross and everything the cross. I don't know if you ever notice it. A lot of people come and go and they never notice that cross that's in the back back there. But And I won't take you through the whole story, but that cross came from a dump. Okay, It's a great mental picture of what life can be because with the resurrection of Christ, with faith in Christ, we can be built into something much different, regardless of our past, we can have a bright future. But see, also, I think, when it comes to communion, it's the, it's the, the benefit of, of intimacy and coming together and just sharing that communion together as a body of believers. And then it goes on and talks about in that same verse, it says, and the other thing they did, they were committed to prayer, to prayer. The book of Acts of the Apostles, sometimes it's called Acts of the Holy Spirit, and that's where Acts come from. There, there were a lot of different Acts, not like uh, maybe movies or something, but a lot of different things that made up that book. It was the Acts of Paul 
talking about a lot of things of John, different people that Luke was reporting on in that early church. All those things following the death and the resurrection of Christ. But Luke, in his writing, to his credit, I was thinking about politicians. Politicians have a way that when, when, they, when they talk, they have a way of really talking about all the good things they've done and all the bad things somebody else did. Just seems funny how that works. Very seldom do they claim credit for messing up. But Luke, when he writes this, and to his credit, and I think it's one of the things that gives it great credibility when you go through the book of Acts, because what he said was, is he said, he said he was not going to just talk about the successes and the good things the church did, but he reports in Luke about a whole bunch of dumb stuff that was done and things that happened. And so he reported on not just the good side, but he also talked about the, the problems and perhaps you could call them failures of, the, of that early church. Indeed, that early church was just like us, man. They had a lot to pray about. Just go back and think about what was happening in their time as an occupied group of people. But they had a lot to pray about. I'm reminded of the scripture in James 5 where it, where it says this. It says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you learned that or have read the King James, that's kind of how that says. And when we kind of spin it around and let's say, let's put it in a little bit more friendly language. And this is what it says to me. It says, a committed believer, the prayer of a committed believer has much power. I hope you believe that. I do. But the prayer of a committed believer has much power. See, many religions have requirements. I was thinking about that because they, there's, there's requirements about how many times that you pray. Like in the, in the Jewish faith, they're supposed to pray in the morning, they're supposed to pray in the afternoon, and they're supposed to pray in the evening. Other religions, you know, what you do is you need to have a prayer rug. That's a necessary implement for prayer. You have to face a certain direction, and you have to do it at a certain time of the day to pray. But see, these Christians, when it talks about them, and as we read more and more about them, but as Scripture says here, these Christians offered prayer at any and all times, at any and all places. Let me say it again. They prayed at any and all times, at any and all places, as we should be doing. And I suspect some of you that prayer is a deep part of your life. You pray in the grocery line, you pray at the gas station, you pray for the person that just cuts you off that you really wanted to shake your fist at and say mean words to. There's a lot of things that happen. But we're intended to be able to do, to do that kind of prayer at any and all times, at any and all places. It goes on then in verse 43, and it said, And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. We shouldn't overlook the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to dwell on that, but, but it's not because it's not important. It is really important. But the Holy Spirit was moving through these apostles and through the early church. And can you imagine the things that they saw and, and were they were involved in. Can you imagine being some of the 500 that actually saw Jesus after his death and after the resurrection? They had a lot of things to testify about. There was a, a tremendous amount of excitement and, and just the, the understanding of the fact that I've, I've got to tell somebody about what I've seen. All the believers were together in 44 and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That regularity, that meeting together, that financial commitment we, that we see that they made every day, what a great picture of priorities. It's a good thing for us. We should look at our priorities once in a while and say, really, what are my priorities in life? And a lot of times we can tell our priorities. We can tell them by our checkbook. We can tell them by the time we spend. But what they were doing is they were really putting themselves and their money where their mouth was. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Boy, what a great and miraculous time. Although there had been some really negative stuff to have lived with, can you imagine living in that time when, when there's that kind of growth and those things are happening? But see, we can still, we can draw parallels between our church and the early church, and we should. Because they, like we, I mean, we've got challenges today, right? We have no absence of challenges. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's relationships. Whatever, whatever the things are that dog you, we have challenges today. And they had needs and we have needs. We have a need to be devoted, just like Scripture says, we have a need to be devoted to God's Word and not stay on milk. It's easy to stay on milk. You have people spoon feed you and you listen to their opinions that maybe aren't even quite the same thing that you read if you read it for yourself. But you know, we have to be devoted to God's word. We have to value that fellowship that's talked about in these early verses because that helps us in building our relationship not only with each other's but with Christ. Because, you know, when you become part of a body or a small group, what happens is you start to understand what it is to share somebody else's joys, and you also understand what it is when we share somebody else's burdens, when they're in a tough spot. We learn to highly value the time when the body comes together for communion and we're breaking bread together. Soon we're going to return to kind of our table environment that we've done in the past, you know. COVID did a lot of weird stuff, but soon we're going to return to the table environment where we go there in small groups and we do much like they did that evening together with Christ at the Last Supper. And we understand too that prayers, because we, we kind of get it when we think about prayers because you say, well, what's a prayer? Well, I'm, that's when I'm talking to God. It's a true story. But that's also the time that that we're, that we're giving thanksgiving and we're giving praise, but we're also interceding for our brothers and sisters in those praise. Now, when we're praying, remember, we're unleashed. We don't have to do it once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening. We don't have to face east. We don't have to do it at 3 o'clock. We don't have to have a prayer road. We could do it at any and all times in any and all places, and that's the prayer life that we're being called to do. And as we pray by doing those things in 47, you know, because these are like basic things of the faith, basic things of the church. And you know what? If, you, if we do those things, if we value those things, if, if we'll make those choices with our life about devoting ourselves to teaching and studying the word and prayer and, and just the fellowship, all those things, it'll be like Acts talks about, and the Lord added to their numbers, and the big thing is, not just the numbers, it's adding to changed lives. As I look around today, I see a lot of changed lives in here.
And that's our goal, right? It's to point people toward Christ, to have, to have that changed life, to understand about what the joy of Christianity can be and having a Savior and being able to put the past behind us and focus on the future. That's the way it was with the early church as well. And the congregation said, Amen. Bow your heads with me as the praise team comes. Father, we love to come together and have this opportunity. We, we like to see the smiles and the eyes of our friends and, and meet new people and involve people in the work. We just are excited. We see these young lives up here on the stage and many of the young people that are coming and just uh, using their talents, these junior high and middle school and high schoolers that are up here today. Father, we're so thankful that they're here to share their gifts and their heart. It gives me great encouragement. And Father, if there's anybody here today that has not accepted Christ, if you're here today and you're struggling under a load that you don't seem to be able to manage or know what to do with, Father, I pray that you'll seek me out or seek one of our elders out or Justin and have that conversation today. Don't put it off. We pray all these things to your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonte Boulevard in Tonte Town, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church which is to love God, love others, and serve both.